Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American Waterfowl. Hello and welcome to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. My name is Elliot and I want to apologize to you for not putting out any episodes last week. I really meant to. I was going to have Nate Verdon from Falling Tide TV back on so we could talk about our hunts. Um, We were supposed to record that while he was here at my house and he got to making this gumbo and there were so many people over here and it, it took on a whole new atmosphere and that took the whole night. So we didn't get to record. And then I decided, you know what? I've been recording these episodes, like almost two episodes every single week since January 1st of 2023. I'm just going to take this week off and not record this week. Just be with family hunt. So I took off last week, but now I am back and ready to go. And so tonight I am having Nate on here. We are going to talk about his trip with me uh, the week before Thanksgiving, he came up here, stayed at the house. We went on two just amazing waterfowl hunts. He made a duck chicken sausage gumbo for us, which he's going to talk about and just had a fantastic time. The trip went as perfect as I ever could have dreamed. And so we're going to talk all about that. So that's what's in store for you today. But before we get to that, um, I want to remind you of the partners here. Well, one of the main ways that you can support me is when you need these different types of products, whether it be waterfowl or motion on the water or, or the on X hunt, um, you know, put in those product codes and that, that really helps support what I'm doing and keeps this podcast going and I can bring more content to you guys. So anything as far as waterfowl you need from decoys to bags, to hides, to clothing, it's final approach, fabrand.com. And the product code is FDH10 for 10% off. 10% off. And I want to tell you, one of my very, very favorite products, a final approach, is their waterfowling backpack. And, and no lie, this is by far my favorite waterfowling backpack I have ever had. I used to have just a regular waterfowl backpack, and I soon realized it's just too small. And so I started going to. Um, these dry bags, these like big backpack dry bags, there's no pockets, it's just like one big hole and you just dump everything into it. And every time I tried to go back to a, uh, like a 
backpack that had slotted bags so you can organize it. It was just never big enough, never big enough to carry everything that I want to carry. So last year I saw that Jordan and uh, Josh from Outdoor Limits both had this final approach backpack and it looked a little bigger. And I thought, you know, I, I want one of those. So I got that backpack and man, I am in love with it. It is big enough to carry everything I need, but yet it still has pockets that can organize thing. You know, a big bag with no pockets in it, it's just such a headache to sort and find every little thing. When you got all these little pockets stored around, you can keep yourself organized. I am in love with that backpack. So check out fabrand.com, FDH10, for that 10% off discount code. The other one that I'm just announcing today is Motion Ducks, who has become a new partner of the podcast. And let me tell you about Motion on the water, the number one deterrent that I can find to shooting ducks is lack of wind. If I go over to the North American Waterfowler app and I can sort by, if you get, you can do this. If you go into the filters, you can sort all of your hunts by different wind variables. So you can check how you've done with a zero to five mile an hour, with a six to 12 the 13 to 20 and a 20 plus there are four different categories of wind and you filter by zero to five and you hit the filter button and it will bring up every single hunt that you've been on where the wind has been below five and not only can you check your own personal numbers but you can check the global numbers so that means anyone who has ever logged a hunt on the north american waterfowler app it will show you um, not their individual hunts, but a, a conglomeration of it. So if I sort by zero to five in the wind category, the average bird per hunt is 3.0. If I sort weather by anything above five, so that's six and up, it's 3.5 per hunt. There is half a bird difference between basically no wind or wind. That is the biggest margin variable that I can find. Some people, most people will claim that it is sunlight. Everyone's looking for a sunny day. They can't stand the cloudy days looking for a sunny day. And I'm when, when you can go into the app and you can sort by that, you can sort sunny and you can sort cloudy. And the difference between a sunny day and a cloudy day is only 0.2 difference. Only two point, only 0.2 of a duck difference per hunt. So the wind variable is more than two times greater variable to whether you're going to shoot ducks than sunny or cloudy. I don't care if it's cloudy or sunny. In fact, a lot of times I prefer it to be cloudy because then I don't have to worry about looking into the sun. Now, it's a little bit harder to hide on a cloudy day. But in my personal stats, and I have, I have logged over 450 hunts on that site. And for me, I actually do better on cloudy days. I don't know why that is, but I do. And now it's not, it's not by a lot, but mine is a little bit different. But the global community does better on um, sunny days, but it's only by 0.2 ducks a hunt. So it really doesn't make a difference. What makes a difference is wind. And if you can present ducks with realistic motion on the water, during those windless days, you're going to shoot more birds. 
And the Motion Ducks Decoy Spreader is the best jerk rig type system that I have ever seen. I am using the Ultimate, which is two that get combined. So you can just get the 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 single spreader, which is four ducks on a jerk rig there. So if you think of like a cross or an X, you have a duck on each one. You anchor it to the ground. You pull it back and forth, and the ducks actually look like they're they're swimming in a flock. Now, if you connect two of those together, you can have seven. You connect another one, you can have three more. So each one you can get. I've heard of people having up to like 24 ducks all connected together now i don't go that big to me that's a little bit too much of a setup i've done a lot of the single and now i'm trying to do more of the double to where you have seven ducks motion just going and that will increase your success on days with no wind i promise you that it will because it has for me i have seen it happen in fact last night i was out and i'm going to talk about this hunt a lot more um, on my next episode of the podcast, but we were, sir, we were working huge group of mallards, 40 plus birds. And we had no wind glass on the water. I had everything set up to bring my motion ducks and I forgot the anchor and I screwed us. So we were using about a, a couple dozen um, decoys on flat water. Now we did shoot some birds. We did get some flocks in, but I know in my heart of hearts, if we had just had that seven duck motion ducks, decoy spreader system going, we had killed more birds. So this is the last jerk rig that you will ever buy. It's so much easier to set up. Everything about it is better. So you can get 10% off of that product code FDH10. Um, so go and check that out if you don't have that in your arsenal already. They also have one for geese. They've got a special setup for more shallow water. So go and check those guys out. And next week we'll be having one of the guys on for Motion Ducks talk about it. But um, So go and support that partner. And the other one is on X hunt. It is the best thing you can do to improve your waterfowl scouting and your communication on satellite imagery. That's on X hunt. Um, download that today as well. So um, let's go ahead now and jump into this. Let's talk to Nate. Here we go. All right, I am joined tonight by Nate Verdon from Falling Tide TV. What's up, Nate? What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. The, the This weekend of hunting did not go as well as I had expected, but yesterday we were working massive flocks of mallards. I mean, well, for me, massive, like 40 plus, just circling. Oh, my gosh. Circling. Yeah. Yeah, I got done with the video already. It's, I think I'm a dropped that video Thursday. So you have to watch that. The whole hunt, every every group we saw was at least 20. It was slow and it was in the snow, but it was just big old groups dropping in. They'd spin, they'd spin. We didn't fully finish any of those groups, but we did semi-finish a couple. We knocked three out of one. But it was really cool because the whole the whole time out of the three-hour hunt, there was probably six different times we had big flocks just circling us and circling us that's awesome um, yeah that it was, awesome. was. <laughs> it, it was really cool i i wish that we could have been there was no wind and we had to keep dumping snow off the decoys like every 15 minutes the snow mm. would get off the decoys. so it wasn't very conducive to to landing that big of flocks but man it was it was really fun it was really really fun so you think like I, adding a lot of motion would have helped well, you know, what I did was I brought 
I got the motion ducks decoy spreader system in the mail on a couple days ago and it's like seven ducks and a jerk string and I brought mm-hmm. it with me and I forgot the anchor. And so oh, geez. I think if we had had, cause this whole pool was slushing up and we had and and where we were at was an open spot of water and the rest of the pool didn't have a hardly any open water. So even before, like when I was walking in, the ducks would come in and they were circled. They wanted to be where we were. But if I had had that anchor and run those seven ducks, I could have gotten motion and just pulling it, it wouldn't have accumulated snow on them. So I think I think that had done the deal. If we had just had seven ducks of those motion ducks decoy spreader system, it that'd have been it. We'd have done it. I just left it at home like an idiot. I've done that twice. It's still cool to watch those big flocks, though. You know, right? And they were not they were not circling high. Like a lot of people would have been shooting at what we weren't shooting at. Cause I mean, they were coming over our head at 40, 45 yards. Um, I mean, they were circling low. So right. it was cool. Yeah. I, you know, I just want those feet down. I know. I just, even one of the shots we took, this group came in and we killed two out of it. And I'm like, Oh man, what, what would have happened? Had we not shot? Cause would they have, sir, you know, you get 30 birds, with their feet down. I mean, that's just the deal, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about. If you don't like that, you don't need to be waterfowl hunting. <laughs> I know. Right, right. So it's like, yeah, I mean, you can drop a couple birds out of a group at 35, 40 yards, but if you, if you land a group at 30, you're going to be talking about that for a long time. Yeah, we had a, we had a nice group of redheads get in on us yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably like, I don't know, seven or eight birds, but we, we knocked five of them out of it. That was pretty nice. cool. Two of us, two of us got our, you know, our two bird limit on them, and then one of the guys shot one. Uh, that's, I mean, that's ideal. You know, that's what you want. You get, you get a group of mallards come in like that, and you bust mm-hmm. five, six, seven out of it. I mean, that's, that's right. well worth it. That, Did that's, you get that's any the nice drake? Yeah, we had one. We had one out of that group. One, one nice drake. Yeah, I, I love redheads. I love redhead drake. I would kill redhead drakes, redhead drakes all day long. They're yeah. cool. They're yeah, they're cool they're cool birds, birds. And, and they taste well, and and they don't they're not that hard to clean either. A lot of times with divers, they're kind of hard to clean. Redheads are not mm-hmm. hard to clean. Hmm. I've not shot that many of them. There was some some Octobers, we get quite a few redheads around every now and then. We'll have an October where you know I'll shoot three or four of them or something. That'd be like a lot if I shot three or four in a right. season. That'd be that'd be a bunch. But I go long periods of time without shooting nice drakes. You find they get they get in later in the season, or is it earlier mm-hmm. in the season? Yeah, we'll see them in October. Now, sometimes, Early. like you know, on our hunt, we talked to those guys, and they were shooting redheads, and I had no idea they're around. So they they may be out on the open water more than I know, right? Um, but right. I, I don't. We just see. Don't see we always get our divers later. Like like our divers just keep getting you know more and more and more as the season goes on. We just get more and more and more divers. Mm-hmm. So. that's true with us in Goldeneye. Um, like the main ducks you're going to divers, you're going to shoot here that I know of. Cause I do know some people that hunt the main lake and we hunt the main lake. Some not with diver decoys, but, um, and, and I just, we see Goldeneye and hooded and merganser. That's like common <laughs> in December and January. But when I'm on those, open lake, of, we got a ton of those hooded mergansers. Yeah. I could do without those. I don't, I don't have mm. any desire. If I kill one a year and just have it in my hand to look all the cool feathers, because they're beautiful birds. 
I seared a buffalo head yesterday with salt, pepper, and rosemary, and it was mm-hmm. delicious. It, it was I, I didn't think in a million years the buffalo head would taste good. Mm. I usually I usually pass on them. They're not a bird that really gets me excited. Right. And a lot of guys like like buffalo heads because they're pretty, and I get that. But usually we we give them a the pass, you know. Right. First off, they're hard to kill, and so I find myself a lot of times shooting three shells at a buffalo head, and I'm like, okay, why did I do this? Why did I do this to myself? You know, <laughs> and and I always thought they tasted bad. So most of the time, I mean, I would I would I would gift them most of the time. I'd give uh-huh. them away. Yeah. Uh, but I decided yesterday. I was like, you know what? I was matter of fact, I was cleaning the ducks. So I was cleaning redheads. I had bluebills and I had buffalo heads, and uh, I was cleaning them. And I got to the bluebill, and that thing smelled awful. <laughs> that, that thing smelled absolutely awful. And I got to the buffalo head, and I was like. This bird doesn't smell at all. And mm-hmm. the meat looked kind of mild. And I was like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to sear this bird. I'm going to see how it tastes. Great. I mean, as good as any other duck I've ever tried. I couldn't believe yeah. it. Yeah. Merganzer, you, you can't do much to make it taste good. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I've got a friend that she, he, he'll shoot um, even common mergansers, And he swears if it's the fat that tastes bad. If you make sure those birds have no fat on them, they taste just fine. But I can tell you that I, when I shot common mergansers when I was younger and when I was cleaning them, it smelled like just fish trash. I didn't want a part of those birds ever. They smell awful, man. And then, they and then I don't know what it, what they're eating by me, but in that salt marsh, they just smell awful. They smell like rotten shrimp. Mm. Yeah, it's probably Disgusting. what they're eating. It could be. It very well could be eating shrimp, but it just smells awful. So how'd your hunt go? I know you're just getting off an evening hunt. Uh, how'd your hunt go this evening? I'll start with the morning hunt. We'll, we'll start with that one. We oh, so you hunted rain. twice today, huh? Yeah, I pretty much hunted all day. All right. So we went out in this one area, the same area where we have a lot of our, our good canvas back shoots. And uh, I just I had to go see the place. I, ne- I needed to see, because uh, I have an outboard. A lot of the guys around there have mud motors. And uh, it, it kind of closes up sometimes in the off season. And so I need I needed to kind of get out there and see what my access looks like. Where can I get? Where can I not get? I was able to get all through the entire uh, management area over there. And I, I rode in every pond. I looked all over the place. I didn't see any canvas backs at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't see I, I barely saw any ducks in general. We tried to set up and hunt this one spot. They didn't really want to do it. And uh, so we just kind of rode around. Then we came back home, we ate a little uh, lunch, and then we went out to this huge lake that's in Louisiana over here. It's got like a sand beach, and it butts right up against a refuge. Mm-hmm. And uh, just from past experiences, uh, go and hunt the refuge, paddling through the ponds before daylight, you know, getting to my, to my pond where I want to hunt at. I'm always jumping up a lot of ducks in there before daylight. So I know it's a roost. I know mm-hmm. the birds roost in there a lot. Um, because a lot of times you get out there, you'll see a bunch of birds in the pond and then come daylight, there's no ducks anywhere. Right. And so that tells you right there, they're just roosting in there and they're leaving. So I figure it's, it's, it's an evening spot. You get out on the lake that butts right up against it. Um, I figured I could intercept some birds, you know, maybe coming across the lake to go in there and roost. Uh, we set up a big spread. We got, uh, small boats, got P-Rogs. 
I got spud pole P-Rogs. We went out there and spud it on a sandbar out there in the open water. Uh, we threw out a bunch of decoys, a big mix of just divers, uh, gadwall, teal, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, had a lot of high-flying flocks going north, believe it or not. I mean, I don't, I don't know where they were going. There is nothing north of there. After mm. they cross over that marsh, they've got miles to go if they keep going north, try to get to somewhere that's, that's marsh. I don't know where they were going. I don't understand. They might have been migrating at a full moon. They could have been just migrating. I don't know. Going back up north. I'm sure they're going to immediately turn back around with this north wind that's coming. But, um, yeah, we saw a lot of those. But, yeah, one group of birds that came and did it right. They, I mean, they they followed the script perfectly. It was a mix of gadwall and widgeon that came in. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, they kind of came in on my side. I shot two. And that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. They came in all all evening. So, a lot of work today, a lot of hours spent in the field for two ducks. So I, <laughs> well, I would say it was about as hard as I've ever worked for two ducks in my life. Well, I bet you that group felt good to get in, though. It felt great. It felt <laughs> I mean, they did it perfect, too. It was like, oh, man, that was awesome. Yeah. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal develop high-quality, technically sound products, and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. I was I was really surprised last night for our hunt because I've always felt like if you get roosting birds in a spot and you get a really dark, cloudy day, then that last 45 minutes you're going to fool them because they used to they normally come in right after shooting time and if it's a dark gray day, they're going to their their clock is going to be off. And man, that did not happen yesterday. I mean, it was slow. Um, when we did see him, we saw those big flocks, but I thought that last 45 minutes was just going to be fantastic. And sure enough, as we were walking out here, they came and it was dark, snowy. I mean, it's, it was as dark as it could be the last 30 minutes of a day before shooting time was over. And those, those little suckers still knew they came in like crazy right at, after shooting time. So how does that work for y'all? Um, well, how is your your law written when it comes to the evening? Is it thirty minutes after sunset? No, not and it's not. It's uh, for snow goose. It's thirty minutes after sunset, but here it's right at sunset. So it was four fifty nine, and we stopped right at four fifty nine. And I was picking up the decoys, and there was birds. Yeah. <laughs> See, ours is thirty minutes after sunset. Uh, okay. Now, we yeah, get 30 minutes before sunrise, but we don't get 30 minutes after. But some guys don't right. care. They still they still think they do, I guess, because right, we heard right, some right. shots going off a good 20 minutes after uh, sunset. So, <laughs> yeah, you know. more power to them. I won't do it, but more power to them. 
No, not nah, man. It pisses yeah. me off when guys do that. Yeah. Follow the yeah. laws. Well, it, well, it just it, it gives them an unfair advantage. They come back with a strap of ducks. You come back with two ducks, and you're like, <laughs> I followed yeah. the I followed the rules. <laughs> And if I didn't want to follow the rules, I could have come back with a strap of ducks too. And so it it really is unfair, you know? Yeah. I hear you. Yes, indeed. So let's talk about your trip up here. The last time you were on the podcast, we kind of did a pre-trip podcast where we just kind of talked about you and and what we were planning. So um, won't you kind of give a breakdown of your impressions of kind of how our trip went, how your trip went in our two days, and I'll add in as needed. Uh, I would say, first off, I mean, the hospitality that you and your family showed me was was awesome. Um, I had a great time just being around your family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you got a beautiful family. And Thank uh, you. It, it was it was it was a good time. I think I, I, it was good being surrounded by like minded people. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that we, we share a lot of the same philosophies on a lot of things. So that was great for me. Yeah. Um, but as far as the hunt goes, it was awesome being able to hunt where you could walk around. And, and that's <laughs> something that's so unique to me. You know, we don't, we don't have areas where we can just get out and walk. And I thought that mm-hmm. was pretty, uh, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, w- when you think Kansas, you think you think mallards most of the time, mm-hmm. but you you told me before I came up here. You said, "Hey Nate, you know the mallards really aren't here, but we got a lot of green winged teal, and I love green winged teal. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite birds to hunt. And so when you say we got a bunch of green winged teal, we got a ton of those, I got excited. I was like, I don't care about a mallard. I want to come up there and shoot these green winged teal. Let's get it, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so we came up there, and I mean, sure enough, I mean, I remember the first morning before shooting light, there were green wing teal everywhere. Yeah. It, it was, it was a, as much action as, as I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. As far as, I mean, it was just, there were teal buzzing everywhere. It was awesome. As a duck hunter, you can't ask for anything more than that, you know? And, uh, I got set up and, and it was like, I've never been so picky when it comes to like, what shot do I want to take? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't remember the last time I've been that picky when it comes yeah. to, to shooting. I mean, we, we truly were able to sit back, wait on Drake's as much as possible and just wait for the perfect shot. Yeah. And, and, and that's what we did. And it was just a, I mean, a teal hunt of a lifetime, honestly. Yeah. And you I will say that I'm, better. I'm normally not that picky. It's like, it's situational. You know, there's right. hunts where if I can be picky, I will be very, very picky. Uh, and if I can't, I can't. And it's just kind of have to get a feel for a feel for the day. And it was obvious really quickly on that hunt that we could be super picky because every time, every time we turned around or did something, there's teal in our decoys <laughs> like constantly. <laughs> Even the last clip yeah. of the video when we're talking, you can see this teal come right behind our back, just boom, right into the decoys. <laughs> it was constant. Right. It was, it awesome. was constant. Yeah. It, We've it got blue wing teal hunt. A lot of our blue wing teal hunts um will be like that. But we're not being picky because all we're shooting is blue wing teal. But as far as the action right. goes, you know, we have lots of blue wing teal hunts that are that are like that, where you could just shoot, you know, I don't know. You could shoot as many as you want. I mean it, it, it allow, if you were able to do so, you know. It allows you to be very efficient. Um Yeah. I mean when I left 
it's funny because I, I log all of my hunts on the the uh, the app, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I was in Kansas, I started logging those hunts. Now, look, I don't remember my shooting before, you know, before I came up there to you, right. but when I was up there, I logged those hunts and my shooting percentage was really good. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm back home in Louisiana and I can't be that selective, my, my <laughs> shooting percentage has absolutely plummeted. I, I was, I was up in like the 80 something percent range whenever I was up there with you. Uh-huh. Now that I'm back in Louisiana, I'm already down to like 64%. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure that's going to keep on going down. So. Yeah, I, I've said it a, a million times. It's the majority of good shooting is shot selection. It, if, it 100% if, is. If you're very, very careful what you shoot at, you're going to have it. Now, there's some people that are just good shooters no matter what, but right. like I consider myself to be I'm, – I'm definitely becoming a better shooter the older I get, and part of that I think is the shot cam, which you and I talked about. Mm-hmm. But um, the reason I'm becoming a lot better shooter overall is just shot selection for me. The shot cam has helped me out a lot. It's helped right. me out a lot. It, it let me know that I lead birds way too much. Yeah. Yeah. You and I had talked about that and I do too. And I always thought I was shooting behind them until I got a shot yeah. cam. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm actually shooting in front of birds way more than I'm shooting behind. Yeah. I have a habit of always putting that bead in front of the beak of the bird. And mm-hmm. sometimes with, with a lot of these ducks, they're, they're, they're not moving fast. Right. especially when they're feet down in the decoys mm-hmm. and and i'm looking at my 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 bead on the shot cam and i'm like why am i leading that bird that much that bird's barely moving right put it right <laughs> so on its head I, I, right i'm finding myself adjusting now and 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 yeah that's been very valuable to me like you said my my shot my shot percentage i think is uh is improving mm-hmm. but yeah it, so it, 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 on the hunt to to fill it out a, a little bit more um and if you guys want to see these videos Nate and I are both we both did a video of these and they're going to come out in a couple of weeks I'll let you guys know when I think we're looking at like the next week the first week of December like the 4th 5th 6th 7th range we've got videos coming out we will release them at the exact same time so um we actually took turns shooting so when Nate started out shooting and I had my big camera and he just had his GoPro stuff going and he shot three and then we switched and he picked up his big camera and I just used my head GoPro stuff and I shot three and then he shot two more and then I shot two more and then we waited because I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what time it was that we had five each. I bet you it was still in the eight o'clock hour, like eight, eight fifteen. Maybe we were sitting at five ducks each. It was quick. It had to be. I mean, I right. mean, there was so much action. I mean, you, you, you really couldn't help, but I mean, I mean, you got a, you got a Drake green wing just hovering over the decoys in front of you yeah. all morning long, just <laughs> waiting for you to shoot it. <laughs> it's like, I couldn't pass it up. And then when we got to the, the five, you know, five ducks, it was like, all right, mm. we're going to wait for something else besides a green wing. Yeah. Cause we had some, we, you know, we had a few mallards flying around and, and, right. and a few pintails flying around. It's like, all right, eventually one of these big ducks are going to mess up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Sure enough, it it ended up being the pintail, and I couldn't pass it up. Yeah, no way. Yeah, crushed it. And the funny thing was, is until we got five each, we really didn't have any opportunities. At I think what we had shot, like you shot uh, a a ringneck, and 
maybe a widget hen, but no, nothing else had really presented itself. And so we thought we maybe were in for a little bit of a wait, but as soon as we got the five each, it was like Nate's turn, beautiful pintail Drake hovers. He kills it. I get it five minutes later, beautiful pintail Drake hovers. I shoot it. So it was just like, they were waiting. It was awesome. Right. It was, it was so cool I, to end on those beautiful pintails. It it was. I still think, obviously, you know this, but we should have probably stopped at four teal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then waited because yeah. uh, what did we end up with at the very end? Oh, man. And I got my GoPro got this a really good shot. We were just standing up and walking around, and these two Mallard Drakes came and just hovered. One of them hovered right in front of the – I've got a GoPro in the decoys. And one of them was just like on camera, just hovering. Right I got that, I got that on my big camera. I got that on my <laughs> yeah. big camera. It was beautiful. That that uh that 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 picture that I sent you was mm-hmm. was a screenshot that I took from my my big camera videoing. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. They, I mean, they were right on top of our head. I mean, it was like, and and you made a comment. You were like, "Look, we we stress ourselves out about always, you know, being hidden." Here we are yeah. standing in a we're really standing <laughs> ten foot out from the blind, almost in the yeah. decoys, and they don't seem to mind. They landed no. in the decoys. It's annoying. It's like we had some mallards that circled and we were like, Well, maybe we're just not hidden enough. We're trying to like put more smart weed on us and stuff. And I know. But yeah, had we had we that would have been the epic finish if we had a both killed a a mallard oh. drake to end. Yeah, that would have been fantastic. That. Now I will say in my watching my footage, the the pintail you killed on that day, I think it was the first day, or maybe it was the second day. The, I think it was the second day. The one you killed at was I don't think I'd have pulled the trigger on that one for what we were waiting for. I mean, it was in range. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but yeah, it, it was, was over the top, right? I, I, yeah, and and what I was waiting for, what I was waiting for was the last bird I got on the second day. That was just like this mallard Drake. He just hover i i still wish that i even waited longer to shoot just to see how long he was just gonna hover like that he comes down an elevator just hovering and then he just it's like a helicopter just sitting there i should have just waited and waited and waited because on the shot cam you just have that all the whole time you know i don't know how long he had to just hover there i don't know either but i mean you gave him a good like two whole seconds (laughs) two whole seconds two whole seconds doesn't sound like a lot but it is a lot whenever it is a duck hovering over your decoys it feels like an eternity in real time you know he just sat there and hovered in the same spot for like two or three whole seconds and then boom you shot him it it was beautiful it was that was beautiful yeah that's kind of like how the whole trip went it's just like everything was perfect i mean everything you know, it really, it, it it really was. It's very seldom do you have a scripted trip that just goes as perfectly as that goes. Then the next two hunts I go on, I shoot one duck and two hunts out there in the same general area. So, you know, you just never know. Now, to give you guys a little more context of what this place looked like, um, it's kind of an old oxbow. And there's old dead, I don't know if they're willows or what kind of trees they were kind of lining both sides it's kind of shaped like a horseshoe and that was another thing that made it so cool is where we were sitting we just sat under these trees and it was extremely comfortable there was like no brushing really it's like you take your stool plop it down under a tree i was leaning back against the tree it was as comfortable as you could possibly get it to be too that was wonderful it was 
so much different than what I'm used to. Yeah. yeah. I need to get I, back I out said, of that spot. I even said that, you know, whenever we were out there, I said, I said, man, this is about as easy as a duck hunt that I can remember. Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it that certainly was, awesome. was. Yeah. So that was the first day. And then the second day really was very, very similar. We went back to the same spot, but this time, well, the first day there was, we were the only people out there. It was on a Friday. No one else was even out there, which blew my mind because on the opener of the week before, there was a ton of people out there. Now the second day, I'm like, oh, it's a Saturday. I don't know uh, if we need to go early. It's like, I'll let you decide. I'm like, if we really, really want to make sure we get this place, we'll leave my house at like one thirty or one, two o'clock. Or, I mean, it was just ridiculously early. I'm like, I'll leave it up to you. And you're like, okay, uh, let's, let's get that spot. Let's do it. And we get out there, no one else out there. Well, we actually ran into one other boat and they were these nice guys from Georgia and they were going to a completely different, different spot. So we got out of there and, and slept in the boat for two hours and no one else came in again. No one else came in. I couldn't believe it. Those guys might have been one of the coolest group of guys I've ever experienced on public land. I mean, I mean, nice. they were like right away. They were like, we're not fighting over a spot. Yeah. You don't get that too often. You know, yeah. you usually get the guys that, you know, got their chest puffed out and they're like, yeah. you know, hey, you know, we're going to this spot. We're going to that spot or whatever. They were like, look, we're not fighting over a spot. Where are y'all going? Mm-hmm. You know, we're not racing out there you know that sort of thing. And it uh, turns out those guys were going to hunt over the big water, and they were they were trying to hunt uh hunt mostly divers. It seemed like, mm-hmm. and uh, they did good. I mean, they did yeah. really good. I think they said they ended up with eight mallards, forty mm-hmm. um, something total ducks out there. I mean, that's that's a lot of birds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a big group of guys, but I mean, they seemed like some really good guys. They really did. I, I feel like in a parking lot, um, typically when I walk up to someone. I'll know right away whether I'd want to hunt with them or not just by how they're carrying themselves. And I would hunt with those guys. any. I didn't, I wouldn't care if hunting for seven. It was just how many guys they had, but I'd hunt with those guys any day. They were cool. Yeah. They were all cool. All yeah. Totally agree. So, uh, this, the second day there was less activity, less wind, less activity, but still great activity. I mean, you go from like constant activity where you could, we could have shot 50 ducks each if we were just, gun in a way to the next mm-hmm. day being like we still could have shot our limit by eight o'clock but yeah, it just wasn't I, like every second you know i think i shot four teal a widgeon and a pintail the second day correct is that right yeah, i can't remember what day you shot the widgeon was that the second day i thought that was the first day you shot the widgeon maybe it, it might have been it, i might right. it might have been the first day i don't know i know that i was pretty much standing out there in the decoys and you were like Oh, hey, look right above you. And I looked up and there was two <laughs> widgeons just hovering over me and I yeah. couldn't help but take the shot. Right. There's two hen widgeons. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I, I, it, was, it was cool. <laughs> the whole experience. It was. Yeah, I think it was the second day because the first day I shot a ringneck. It had to okay. be the second day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was the only reason why it got down to like, you know, four teal. Because mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking the same thing you were. The second day was, hey, let's shoot four to you, and let's wait for those last two ducks. Let's try to shoot right. a pendale and a mallard. But I'd already shot a widgeon, so I was like, okay, well, I just wait yeah. on the the widgeon, or or I mean, I'll wait on the pintail or a mallard, and it turned out to be a pintail. And I couldn't pass up that, that second day. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that pintail was hovering in the decoys. I couldn't pass that up. No, 
No, and they're such yeah. gorgeous birds. Our pintails were really pretty. They just didn't have sprigs on them, but they were gorgeous birds, nonetheless. Right. And so it's I ended up with. Uh, I shot a gadwall. I think it was a gadwall the second day I shot a gadwall, a pintail, a mallard, and three, three greenlings. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's right. Yep, that's right. Because we headed home and. And you had the old gumbo going. That took forever, man. I didn't know it took that long to make gumbo. It took a while, but it should have took longer. I, I, I told you I wasn't necessarily satisfied with that gumbo. It was okay. It was good. It was I decent. It. Yeah, We still have y'all a bunch, still, actually. Mm-hmm. Y'all still I took it, it to work uh, the next day. I had a meal of another time, and Beth's going to use it for a whole other meal when she thaws it out. Because I asked her tonight, I was like, we still have more of that? And she's like, yeah, it's in the freezer, ready to go. I'm going to make a meal. Yeah, it was great. So t- talk a little bit about the gumbo and what all was in it, how you made it. Because gumbo is not something that we get much here in Kansas. So, uh, you know, we we added duck to it, but it wasn't a duck gumbo. It was a, it was a chicken and sausage gumbo, right? Chicken and andouille, to be specific. Um, and that's how I like my gumbo. I like a chicken and I like an andouille gumbo. I'll put ducks in it, but I'm not I'm not one to make just a duck gumbo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The longest part of making that gumbo is besides the simmering process is the roux, and Look, I'm used to making a roux on a gas stove. I had no idea it took that much longer to make a good roux on mm-hmm. an electric stove, mm. but it did. That that mm. electric stove, that that convection uh, stove or whatever, is different than what I'm used to. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm used to that gas stove, that direct heat, and man, I can make a roux in about 45 minutes. A good roux in about 45 minutes. It'll be nice and and dark. Man, I was 45 minutes in and that thing was still looking blonde. I was like, man, what is going on here? <laughs> so I had to keep I had to keep cranking up the heat, but you don't want to get too too hot because you'll end up burning it. But uh, I had to end up cranking up the heat and we, we finally got like a good milk chocolate color. I like more of a dark chocolate color with the roux, mm-hmm. but I got it up to about a milk chocolate. And I was like, look, everybody's sitting around ready to eat. Let's go ahead and put this thing together. Let's just make a gumbo. And uh, when I got to the end of it, it just was a little bit too blonde for me. I like a darker gumbo. Now, look, right. I don't know that the, the flavor would have been any better, but it uh, it was just the look of it was a little bit too blonde for me. So, Well, none of us here that, have a clue of what it's supposed to look like, and everyone, as far as I could tell, absolutely loved it. <laughs> I know look, I it, was still, it was still a gumbo, and it was still a passable gumbo. Yeah. But I can do better. Next next year, I'm gonna do a little bit better. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give myself a little bit more time uh-huh. to, to get it right. But uh, but yeah, overall, I, I would say it was good. It had a good flavor. It tasted mm-hmm. great. Everybody everybody loved it, and uh, and I enjoyed it too. So it the taste was really not a problem. It was just the color, which it doesn't matter. It, yeah. You're eating it. It doesn't matter what the color is. Right. You're but just it's, but at the same it. time, I'm particular about it. I know uh, what it's supposed to look like, and I thought right. it was just a little bit too blonde for my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, we sure enjoyed it. I know we had a full house. My parents were over here, my my son and his wife. Um, so we had a, we had a good full house, and everyone had a great time. And it, it was really cool because um, when 
food takes longer to prepare, which I saw this when I was down in Louisiana uh, with Kenny and Donna. It's like the eating takes on a much more social event to it than what I'm used to here. And it and that actually translated, I felt like, um, to that evening here where it was just a more of a social social event all around. Like if you eat too early, like if everyone shows up and you eat, I feel like the, the people need to show up and the food needs to come like later, you know, because once everyone eats, you're just kind of going to a different mode afterwards. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, I think that's one of the, the beautiful things about, uh, you know, Louisiana cuisine is most of the things take a while and it, it mm -hmm. causes uh, more social interaction between families. You know, you know, right. families get together and actually socialize. And I mm -hmm. think that's something that you don't see as much anymore, you know. Well, like I told you when you're here, you're welcome anytime. I hope that we can make it a yearly event. And uh, we're kind of talking about January, maybe. So I'm hoping that that works out, that we can do it again in January. Yeah. Get your wife and your cute little daughter up here. And um, that'd be awesome. Yeah. As long as, uh, as, long as the, the road conditions stay well, I think we'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, yeah. Well, you got anything, any final words before we close this thing down? No, man. I think that's pretty much it, man. I'm just excited and hopeful for the uh, for the next trip up there. Yeah, me too. And guys, remember, these videos are coming out that first week of December. So you want to watch both videos because they're done from a little different angle, different cameras. So make sure you check out both of ours. Uh, mine's Freelance Duck Hunting. Nate's is Falling Tide TV. So go ahead and check that out. But thank you for joining me. There will be another episode coming this Thursday. Until next time, you've listened to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv